Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. It is, I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. I am Jeff Figgs, the pastor of Calvary Chapel Greeley in beautiful northern Colorado, and I'm with you this afternoon, this Tuesday afternoon or evening if you're on the East Coast. And so I'd love to talk with you. You're invited to call in to the program, to ask your questions, to give your prayer requests, to talk about the things of the Lord. 303-690-3000, as you just heard that number, that will get you to me, and we will have our conversation. Uh, We will pray. We will go to the Word of God. Uh, That is the call-in number, 303-690-3000. So please, give me a call. Uh, Call early. Sometimes the lines fill up quickly as we uh, go through the hour. The hour goes by pretty quickly, and uh, I'd love to be able to talk with you and encourage you and pray with you any way that we can here on Calvary Live. So grateful to be a small part of your lives, uh, the Calvary Live family. So many listening in. The audience is growing. And so 303-690-3000, give me a call on this Tuesday, the 20th of June. After tomorrow, the days start getting shorter. Tomorrow's the first official day of summer. And it finally started feeling like summer here in Colorado uh, just yesterday or on Father's Day. And uh, so I pray that our summer is uh, beneficial and fruitful and there's growth. Um, and I just pray that you're doing well. Uh, many of you perhaps are planning vacations or traveling as we speak. If you're in the area going to Rocky Mountain National Park or coming up to the Greeley Stampede, love for you to be able to stop by and say hello to us here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. There's another way for you to be able to ask a question or for prayer. That's through a dedicated text line. That number is 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. So I'd love for you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request. And as we have time in the show, we'll go to those text questions and We'll look at those. I want to welcome all those listening live on Grace FM along the Front Range in two stations, uh, 89.7 in northern Colorado here, a powerful signal that goes out to the panhandle of Nebraska up into southern Wyoming from about Castle Rock, Parker up along uh, the Front Range here, Boulder, Fort Collins, Greeley. Uh, Welcome your listening live. And then 101.7 in southern Colorado, Pueblo and Colorado Springs, Fountain. Love to hear from you guys down there in southern Colorado. So you are listening live on this Tuesday afternoon. And those of you who are listening, Radio by Grace. And that is 78 stations in a number of states. You two are listening live. Give me a call. And then uh, those of you who are listening online, online listeners anywhere in the country, you can call at 303-690-3000 is that call-in number. And love to be able to talk with you And as we talk to people from all over the country. We even have international listeners. So if you're an international listener, uh, we get listeners from South Africa and from Ukraine, from 
um, you know, the Middle East, from South America, uh, different parts of the world. We welcome you. So glad that you can join us and technology connects us together. But I also want to welcome those of the Calvary Live family that are week delayed, which simply means that you call me, we will talk, and then you can listen to it on your radio uh, network next week, Hope FM and New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, Higher Rock Radio in Idaho, and then Living Water Radio in Corpus Christi, Texas. So give me a call, Calvary Live. we got all open lines right now, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number to text line 720-336-0897. Calvary Live is just such a unique program. Uh, where we talk about the things of the Lord, but it's more than that. It's really it's uh, a program where you can be encouraged, not just you, the caller, uh, but you, the listener, all that are listening in. So maybe you've been wanting to call. Call right now. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, maybe you got a prayer request. I want to remind you that that text line is a 24-7 text line. You can text in a prayer request, and the prayer team will be praying for you there at Calvary Church in Aurora, where Grace FM originates, and I think that's just a wonderful, wonderful resource. So give me a call. This is your show. Love to talk to you about the things of the Lord. I want to read to you as we talk about seeking the Lord, Psalm 105, that the psalmist writes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples and sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his name and let the hearts of the, those rejoice who seek the Lord and seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore. And the Lord invites us to come to him. The Lord invites us to seek him. And we know that Jeremiah writes in chapter 29 that if we seek him with all of our hearts, that uh, he will be found. He desires for us to come to him when we feel weak and when we have need. James says when we uh, need wisdom to come to him and ask and he'll give it to us. And to ask in faith, and we can give our request to him, and to do it with thanksgiving, and we don't have to be anxious, but uh, through everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, as we go to him, he'll give us a peace that that guards our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. He invites us to come and ask of him. Jesus said, ask, please ask, that your joy may be full. And we have such a wonderful privilege and opportunity as his children, because as we come in faith, we have the spirit of adoption where we can cry out, Abba, Father. He's he's our Papa. He's our Father. He's an awesome God, an amazing God, um, and we can call out to him as he desires for us to come to him. He wants us to have fellowship with him and to to just come to him and cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So um, we'd love to be able to uh, just talk with you, and and we got a couple open lines. We are going to go to Charles in South Carolina. Charles, how are you? I'm fine, and you, sir? I am doing good. You're on Calvary Live. Well, that's good. I hope I do well and don't mess you up. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you're <laughs> fine. I'm, I appreciate you calling. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Oh, you want my question? My question is that... Uh, as Christians, we understand that God knows all. He knows the past, the present, the future, and has always known that, even from the beginning. My question is, 
knowing this and knowing the God that he is, and I'm not questioning him, I just would like to be able to answer this myself, uh, knowing all of everything, knowing to come, he knew when he invented, uh, he made man and woman, the earth and so on, he knew that they were going to sin. He knew that they would, he would have to die one day, and he also knew that there would be a fair number of people that would end up in hell. My question is, knowing that ahead of time, why would he put a system into play that uh, he knew people would end up in hell as a result? Well, it was God's intention that we wouldn't sin, that when he created everything, he looked at it and said that it is good. And when he created man, he said it's very good. And right. it was his intention. And you're speaking about the foreknowledge, the sovereignty of God. He knew that Adam and Eve would sin. And because, yes, you know, even as we read in the scriptures um, that, you know, that the the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, God knew that Jesus would go to the cross, um, you know, even before the world was made. But as we look at the sovereignty of God, knowing that he would create man, man would fall short. We see the very promise of the Messiah would come clear back in Genesis chapter 3. And the rest of the Bible speaks about how man has sinned and rebelled against God. You look at all of that. But as we see Jesus went to the cross, and the other thing too, Charles, you know, I think about this, and it kind of goes along with what you're asking is Jesus, why would he allow himself to go through the sufferings? Why would he allow himself? Remember in the garden that it was Peter that took out the sword and started swinging it, and it got the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And Jesus said, Peter, put the sword away. Don't you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels? And he could have. He could have just simply spoken, and and thousands of angels would have descended upon Jerusalem and, and could have destroyed Jerusalem. He could have destroyed the whole world and started all over again. But the reason that, the you know, as I look at the Scripture, that as he created man, and, you know, sinful man, um, you know, we have a fallen world, he would send his Messiah is because of you, because of his love for you. And as we see in Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders around the throne of God, they're worshiping him, and they cry out, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I like the way the King James reads that they were created for your good pleasures. He created us so that he can have fellowship with you, with me. And even as Ephesians chapter 2 declares to us that you know we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's um, not of works. It's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. But then he goes on to say that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, he knew even before the world was made, he knew about you and he knew about me. And he wanted to have fellowship with you and me. And God grieves when man rejects him. He doesn't delight in bringing judgment to the wicked, Ezekiel says. That is his desire that all should repent and come to the saving knowledge of of the gospel. That's what Paul writes um, in the New Testament. Um, that's what Peter writes in his second epistle, uh, that his desire is, is that we come, but knowing that many would take that broad road and, and be lost for eternity, 
So he's done everything that he can do to have fellowship with us, to save us. Um, But I can just tell you what the scripture has to say, um, that he created you and me so that we can have fellowship with him and be with him for all eternity. And for that, I'm very grateful. And for that, I'm very thankful. And I don't know if that satisfies, you know, your question. Um, But for me, it's just like I'm very grateful to the Lord um, that as we look at the beginning where sin came into the world, that God did something about it. He didn't leave us without any hope. He didn't leave us with, you know, in a in a dead state. Um, but we have life now because he sent his son to die for us. Uh, quick question. Yeah. Uh, scripture that speaks of the, him wanting, uh, having us for fellowship. You got that on the tip of your tongue? Scripture? In, you know, in... In Revelation chapter 4, the as John is taken in that heavenly scene, that we are created for his good pleasures. And in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay. All right. And take a look at that. I will. I will. Hey, thanks, Charles. Appreciate you calling. Thank you, thank know, you for your time. You, you know, Charles, it's a question that, um, I would think, you know, why didn't the Lord, you know, just start all over again? But he didn't. And I just, I, you know, it really is the definition of love that he gave his life for us. And um, an incredible God that would go to that length to send his son so he can have fellowship with you and me. And uh, you know, that's where I leave it. And that's where I'm thankful for it. So, um you know, it's 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 wonderful, the gospel. So appreciate you calling, Charles. Thanks for answering. You bet. Absolutely. Bless you guys in South Carolina. Thank you, and you have a good evening. You too. God is so good. We don't understand. His ways are so much higher than our ways, and, um, and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And I'm just very grateful that when Adam and Eve sinned and and sin came into the world, sin and death, uh, as Paul writes in chapter 5 of Romans, that it's the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that came and brought us life to give us that free gift. Matter of fact, if you go through chapter 5 of Romans, you see the free gift of justification, salvation that comes to us. Well, we got an open line, so grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000 is the calling number. Again, Jeff Figs at Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado on this beautiful summer day uh, and love to talk with you. The text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to um, John in Mead. John, how are you? God is good. Yeah, he he is, isn't he? I'm good. Good afternoon, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, Quick question. Um, after a person dies, do they go immediately before uh, the beamer seat, or are they with Christ, or is there a, a holding period, if you will, and if that happens more corporately at, at the white throne judgment? Well, well, a couple things that we don't want to be confused about, and you know, in the resurrection, it does tell us in Second Corinthians chapter five. And um, verse 8, that we are confident, yes, well, please, rather, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 
And then he goes on and he says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And then he speaks about what you were talking about. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the scripture seems to indicate that that takes place. We do know when we breathe our last and close our eyes, we immediately go home to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is going to be that day that we're going to stand at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ here in Second Corinthians chapter 5, also in Romans chapter 14, that says we must stand at the judgment seat of Christ. For us as Christians, we stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ, not to be judged for salvation. Uh, Jesus took the judgment for our sins and has provided salvation. We can't earn that. Uh, we can't merit that. But with that said, the Bible does talk a lot about receiving rewards for what we have done for Christ in this life. And are we going to stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ uh, at the rapture of the church when we all come together, or does it happen immediately afterwards? Um, I'd have to do a little bit more reading on that, and and um, but we are going to stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. And I think you're, you're using that term corporately uh, because we do know that the great white throne judgment, that the unrighteous dead will be resurrected after the millennium reign of Christ, when the heavens and the earth dissolve and are found you know, nowhere, as Revelation chapter 20 says. In other words, there is no place for the heavens and for the earth. Total darkness. And the great white throne judgment is where the unrighteous dead, corporately, uh, if you would, using that word, are going to stand and they're going to be sentenced to outer darkness. So when it comes to the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ, does it take place immediately when we go home to be with the Lord, or does it happen at at the rapture of the church? I'm not really sure. Uh, but the important thing is to remember that we will stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ and that we will receive rewards for what we have done for him in this life. And, um, and we should desire those rewards. I, I had somebody say to me, not long ago, well, that's kind of selfish, you know, wanting rewards from heaven. Um, no, it's not. It's something that Jesus makes very clear that we should desire them, store up our treasures in heaven. He talks a lot about it um, as the parable of the talents and the parable of the mina, uh, to invest the things of the kingdom. Uh, and we know that Paul and the apostles talked a lot about it as well. And then some of the last words of uh, the book of Revelation, it tells us that, behold, he's coming and he has his reward with them. So, you know, um, I'd have to look at it a little bit more carefully, but we do know we will stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. Does it take place when we go home to be with him? Not quite sure. Or does it happen at the, the you know, rapture of the church? Because we do know that there is the saints that have gone on before us um, and they're waiting for the resurrection when we get our new heavenly bodies. And we will, uh, those, the church, a generation of Christians who are alive, and meet the Lord in the air. So, good question. I'll have to look at that. What happens immediately when you die, basically? You I understood all of that, what you just said. You said a whole lot, but that wasn't actually what I was asking. What happens immediately you go home you to die? Yeah, I, Second Corinthians chapter 5, as I read to you, that to be absent yes. from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so we go home to be with the Lord. Even the non-believers? 
No, the non-believers, they don't go home to be with the Lord. The non-believers are lost. So Paul, is he's writing about the assurance of the resurrection, he's building on what he had already written in 1 Corinthians 15, because Jesus bodily rose from the grave, that we have the promise that we're going to be resurrected, speaking of new heavenly bodies. So he's talking about the, the resurrection, that that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. But he wanted the Christians to understand this, that when we do die on this side of eternity, when we come to the end of our lives, that immediately we go home to be with the Lord. The unbelievers, according to what Jesus speaks about in Luke chapter 16, he speaks yeah. about Lazarus and the rich man, that the unrighteous or those who are not believers are in that uh, Hades and they're Hades. waiting. Okay. Yeah. They're, you <laughs> can read it. Yeah. They're in Hades and the, the uh, compartment of the unrighteous dead and they will be resurrected okay. at the end of the millennium reign uh, of Jesus Christ. That's when they will be resurrected and then they will stand before the great white throne judgment. You yeah. and I, you and I as believers, we will not stand at the great white throne judgment. Um, and the great white throne judgment, it really isn't judging them. You know, they'll be judged for their works, but they'll be found guilty because they've rejected the gospel and then cast right. into the lake of fire for all eternity. So for us, um, Jesus, we might meet Jesus immediately and be in uh, paradise immediately. We'll be in heaven with him. When you read Luke chapter 16, it, it speaks about paradise, and then the other compartment is the, the place of the unrighteous dead. That's where the rich man went, and he's calling over to Abraham. It was called Paradise Abraham's Bosom, and that compartment of paradise is empty now because Jesus— I just use that as an adjective for heaven. Yeah, but yes. well, yeah, that's— A that's, for heaven. Right. For, for heaven now— we immediately go home to be with the Lord. So, you know, I've done many, many memorial services of believers here in the church, and I know that when they come to the end that they're with the Lord, and we can be comforted by that. But then what's going to follow is, and this is where people get confused, is then the resurrection where our bodies, because we can do a graveside, we can do an internment where we put their body into the ground, and then at the the rapture of the church, what will happen is that their bodies will be raised, that which is corruptible to incorruptible, that which is mortal to immortality, and they'll get their new heavenly bodies. But our spirit goes home to be with, with the Lord immediately when we uh, die here on this side of eternity. All right. Fantastic answer, my good pastor. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Call back any time. Good question. Thank Thank you, sir. Thank you. Great answer. Take care. You bet. Absolutely. A lot of people get confused about the resurrection, and uh, there's a false teaching that goes out called soul sleep, that our soul sleep, our spirit. The soul and spirit, that term is sometimes used interchangeably in the scriptures. David, when he was speaking about the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, as he prophesied in Psalm 16, that you will not leave my soul uh, in corruption, his spirit in corruption. So our spirit goes home to be with the Lord immediately. Sometimes the questions by some is, is there a temporary body that we get? I, I don't know. All I know is that we go home to be with the Lord, and then one day at the rapture of the church, 
that we are going to get new heavenly bodies. So don't get confused. The resurrection speaks of eternal life, but getting that new heavenly body that we will have for all eternity, and it's going to be glorious. And then we're going to rule and reign with him um, after he comes back to establish his kingdom here on the earth. And then we will have that final place of the new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem for all eternity, Revelation chapters 21 uh, particularly in 22, declared to us. So glorious future that we have, folks, ahead of us. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. And then the text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to um, Texas. Uh, Beto? Beto? Yeah. How are you? Hello. Good. Good. Welcome to Calvary Live. Amen. So my question is, um, in Ephesians 4, it talks about one faith, one baptism, and one Lord. And my question is, if there's one faith, one baptism, and one Lord, in uh, Luke 3.16, there's a baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Spirit, in Galatians and 1 Corinthians 12. And then there's the believer's baptism. Is that kind of like three in one, the way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are? Or well, there's clear? yeah, and you're you're you know you're thinking and you're doing a study on baptism, and the Bible speaks about water baptism um, as we identify with Christ, Romans chapter six, and we are right. brought into um, you know we come out of the water, identify with Christ in this newness of life. The Bible also talks about, in Ephesians, as you're talking about, that there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, He's talking about walking in unity. Uh, He's speaking of the body of Christ, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, all that in um, this chapter. And as he is speaking in that, uh, what he is saying that there's one body, one spirit. We have unity because we share in common Jesus. We share one body, one spirit, one hope of our calling to Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Father. Each of these common areas is greater than any of the differences. And as some think that because Paul says there is one baptism, that the idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, experiences invalid. But Paul only spoke here the baptism by water, which is the visible token of God's common work in every believer, and um and he's, we get baptized into the body of Christ. So there's one body, there's a baptism of water baptism, which is a declaration that I am a Christian. There's a baptism into the body of Christ. And then there is, the, I believe, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the book of Acts in chapter 2, when the, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. Jesus said that you uh, wait in Jerusalem for the coming upon and the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, that coming upon the epi to empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so John, at the baptism of Jesus, said, I baptize you with water, but there's one who's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So those baptisms are spoken of um, in the Scriptures. Okay. So when John was talking about... um that Jesus is coming to baptize in the 
the uh, Holy Spirit with fire. fire. Yeah. It's speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit that would come, because John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Repent for the, 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 you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, and Jesus was baptized. We know that as Christians, as water baptism, as Jesus said, go out and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is identifying with Christ. But then we see in the book of Acts the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us to be his witnesses and um, and that's where we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Book of Acts. So, so I guess, but my I guess what my the answer would be is, you know, more than one baptism, but there's one baptism that makes us one body. You know, right? hold on, hang on. We're going to go to break, and we're going to be right back, and we'll continue our discussion. Give me a call three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live, and it's been a wonderful first half. And um, if we have an open line, grab it. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. We were talking to Beto, Texas. We were in our conversation, and... Uh, we're talking about baptism and uh, what the scripture says about baptism. And so we want to go back. Beto, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, go ahead and ask your question again before we were interrupted about baptisms. Um, my my initial question was about the um, baptism of the Holy Spirit, fire, and yeah. and water baptism. And I was asking you about Galatians, no, Ephesians 4, where there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. Mm -hmm. Um, My, to clarify what I was asking is, is that passage, since there is more than one baptism, what Paul is talking about is that there's a common ground in one baptism. Is that correct? Well, he he's saying there's one Lord. Of course, we know that there is one Lord who's the head of the church. One faith speaks most likely um, the body of um, you know of believers. One faith in in Christ, and then one baptism. And many um, scholars or commentaries suggest that Paul's actually talking about water baptism, that outward symbol of an inward reality. Um, referring to a believer's identification with Christ, his death, and then um, as we rise up in the newness of life, as we uh, identify with him with this uh, newness of life. Um, so spirit baptism is spoken of. So I think what Paul's talking about is he's talking about the body of Christ here. Um, he's saying that there's one faith in Christ. There's one body of Christ. Uh, Paul, remember when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, you guys are all divided. There's there's one church, uh, a universal church, even though there's many churches that are out there, there's only really one church, and the person who belongs to that church is one who has come in faith. There's one faith, and our faith is in Jesus Christ. So I, I believe he's talking about the unity of the believers, and walking in that unity is the context of what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. 
Okay. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Hey, thanks. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You bet. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Uh, 303-690-3000, calling number. Good questions. You know, these are good study questions. And, um, you know, it's good to know. And people, it, it blesses me that Beto and others are reading their Bibles and asking these questions. And we want to do the best that we can in, in taking you to Scripture and giving you some clarity and understanding uh, the best that we know how. Text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's continue. Let's see where we're at. Rosie and Berthet. Rosie, are you still there? Rosie and Berthet. Okay. Rosie, um, she did ask for prayer, and I want to go ahead and pray before we go to uh, Kareem. Um, but she asked for prayer for. Um, you know, just faith, economics, health issues, and Lord, uh, she couldn't hold on. And I just pray that as uh, her family, and you know her, you know her family, that you would uh, just help them as when we go through trials or difficulties, our faith can falter, our faith can become weak. And it's in those times that you desire to strengthen us. And Lord, just help her to look to you and to to have that faith uh, that you care for her and that you see her needs, and that you see the needs of her family, that you would bless her. I pray that you would provide for them economically. They have health issues. Lord, you know exactly what is going on. So I left, lift up Rosie to you. I pray for their family. I pray that you would just bless them and bring healing and provision and comfort and strength and assurance to them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Got an open line, 303-690-3000, the call-in number, text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Denver. Kareem. Hi, Kareem. Hey, what's up, Jeff? How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Good. Just had a question. Mm -hmm. So my friend and I were just together, um, and I met him a few weeks ago in the gym. Um, and then he just asked me if I wanted to do a Bible study. And so I said, yeah, I was hesitant at first just cause this hasn't necessarily been my first rodeo I'm running into people who just ask for Bible studies and whatnot. Um, right. and we finally get together and we, he starts telling me about God, the mother. <laughs> and uh, so this is my third time running into a person talking about God the mother, not in a row, but just in general. Um, uh-huh. So I think God is trying to, like, prepare me for something. I don't know. But my question is, he started bringing up God the mother and just telling me about his beliefs and his church's beliefs. So I was more so just lending an open ear just to hear him out. And at the same time, um we we both had our Bibles open, um, so I was using Scripture to try and hack up everything that I was saying. Um, but he was adamant on saying this one thing, that forgiveness of sins is only gained through um, keeping the Passover, yeah. keeping the... Keeping the uh, yeah, um, and they get, the that from, they get that from Corinthians, right? Yeah. Did he point out? Corinthians, let's see, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians, um, that Christ is our pattern, and he goes on and talks about the Passover. Here's the thing. Did he tell you what church he's going to? No, I didn't even want to ask. 
Okay. Well, I wouldn't be afraid to ask <laughs> um, because it's probably what it sounds like. He's from the World Mission Society Church of God, and they are a cult that started out of um, South uh, uh, Korea. They're very aggressive. Uh, they'll meet you in the gym. They'll meet you at Starbucks. They'll meet you in Walmart or Target, and they'll start start talking to you about God the Mother. And they believe in God the Father and God the Mother who came to this earth in the flesh and the Heavenly Mother. And they tried to uh, back it up with Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, that describes the New Jerusalem as a beautiful adorned bride. How they get, um, you know, and then verses 9 and 10, the wife of the Lamb. Uh, so they come up with some false doctrine c- completely out of the uh, context of Scripture that there's God the Mother. Um, they also believe that Jehovah is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and the founder of this cult is the Holy Spirit. And so they have all kinds of of, of strange doctrine. Um, when Jesus alone paid for death, um, they will say that, well, it's more than that. And I think probably what he was uh, quoting from is in... Um, let's see, Corinthians somewhere. I'd have to find it, where Christ is our Passover. And and so they say, well, you have to do the Passover in order for forgiveness of sin. Well, we know that the blood of Jesus Christ is what washes us from sin. The Passover in the Old Testament is just a picture of Christ coming and being our Passover lamb, um, who would... Uh, you know, shed his blood for forgiveness of sin and died for us once and for all. So they take scripture out of context is what they do. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, he, he did pull out first Corinthians um, and it was a whole bunch of spiritual gymnastics, just going through the Bible, jumping from passage to passage. Um, and I was doing my best. We weren't having a debate. It was most of it was just a friendly discussion, but, I was doing my best to just try to point out what Scripture says, especially in Genesis and even just in the Gospels and other places, Proverbs, right. Ecclesiastes. But um, he was still just adamant on that. I did stump him at one point <laughs> when I asked him um, if someone was on their deathbed or even if us, uh, uh, we were sitting in a restaurant, if someone was to come into the restaurant and cause harm to everyone where we all know that we're about to be on our deathbed and someone said, I want to make myself right with the Lord before I go, what would you tell him? And he was stumped. He didn't know what he would tell them. Um, he started saying that he would call his pastor to uh, have them baptized. And I was like, you, there, there's no time for that. You have, you have two minutes before everyone's done. Um, but yeah, he was just stumped at that question. Um, you know, you can, other... you can ask him about the thief on the cross. You know, Jesus said, you'll be with me. He's He was on his deathbed, if you would, so to speak. He's hanging on the cross. He he He's, you know, crying out to the Lord, remember me. And Jesus didn't say, well, I'd love to save you, but you, you weren't baptized. Um, and so, you know, ask him that question. Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise before... Uh, the sun has set. So 
that that first Corinthians chapter five verse seven is what he's referring to that therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are in leaven, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. So they say that you have to observe Passover to be forgiven. No, you come in faith. The whole of Scripture is what you are to take them to, that there's, um, it's not baptism that you have forgiveness of sin. Uh, it's not observing Passover, which is just a picture of Jesus, the reality of Jesus coming and dying for us. Uh, but what um, you know, brings us forgiveness is his atonement, atoning work on the cross. And so keep giving them truth. Uh, they're a cult, and they're going to twist Scripture um, to kind of fit their their doctrine, which isn't uh, correct, which isn't true. It isn't the gospel. It's another one. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely plan on just just keeping them as a friend as much as he allows it to be. And, um, you know, and I, and Kareem, I would encourage you because you sound like you you want to minister to him. Um, that you really desire to, and it's okay because you're not being combative. But if he, he's the one that's brought it up, right? He's the one that's yeah. brought it up. You know, don't be afraid to ask him, you know, what church do you go to? Um, and so as he quotes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul's talking about purge out the old leaven, purge out the sin. Leaven is a picture of sin. And um, so Paul's connection between the purity of Passover and the Christian life is it's not, you know, to be taken out of context. Jesus being our Passover lamb, whose blood was shed for the judgment, you know, of, of sin, might pass over us. And we are to live in that purity. Now that we are ones that are Christians, purge out the leaven is what Paul is saying. To give him a clear context of what Scripture says. So don't be afraid that, you know, ask him. And you did. You kind of challenged him, you know, with the baptism and Paul comes along in first Corinthians chapter one and you can ask him, Paul says, I didn't come to baptize, but to give the gospel. What does Paul mean by that? Um, Paul says, you know, I can't remember who I baptized. He names a few people, but I didn't come to baptize. I came to, to give the gospel. And Paul wasn't saying that baptism is not important in the life of a believer, but it doesn't bring salvation. And um, and we see the thief on the cross uh, that Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise before the sun is set. He didn't have opportunity to be baptized. Yeah, most definitely. So, I did actually that past that portion of the thief on the cross, how they were both insulting him. And then at one point, one thief stopped insulting him and instead started insulting the other thief. Uh, or condemning the other thief and saying that, you know, we're both sharing the same judgment as this man. And and then that's when he, and he started to speak to Jesus. So I did bring that up. Uh, his yeah. response to that point was, but, but that thief was talking to Jesus. Jesus is God. I'm not God. I can't forgive sins. And uh, yeah. I can't grant salvation. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of verses that, you know, you can go through and just write down about, it's faith alone, grace alone, the book of Galatians. Don't even take part of Galatians out of context to come up with God the Mother. Um, and so to show him that it's Christ who died for our sins. Um, it is, there's no God the Mother. The Bible does not speak of God the Mother. If, you know, 
Revelation chapter 21 is not speaking of God the Mother. Um, but to really just keep him, giving him truth, keep giving him the gospel, and praying for him that God will open up his eyes. Yeah, definitely. We'll do that. Yes. Amen. Appreciate it. Hey, keep yeah. keep up the good good work and be a light to him. We'll do my best. Thank you. You bet. Let's pray for him. All right. Father, Father, I pray for Kareem, his his friend that he, you know, wanted to do a Bible study, and um, it, it sounds like he's involved in this cult that is very aggressive and talks to a lot of people, uh, getting them in the bondage of legalism, uh, looking to that which cannot save them. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help him to minister to um, this individual that they get to go over Scripture, that you would open up his eyes and his heart to the truth of the gospel that he would come to understand that what he has embraced is deceptive, and um, it is Christ alone, grace alone, and um, that Jesus is the Passover lamb that fulfilled Passover, but baptism doesn't save us. Um, observing Passover doesn't save us, any of those things. It is faith in Christ. So I just pray that Kareem would be able to speak those words of truth that would penetrate his heart, and he would come to true salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Hey, let's go to South Carolina, Emma. Hi, Emma. Hello. Thank you for holding. Hi. Hi, How, Pastor Jeff. How are you doing? Blessed good. to you and all well, your family and friends. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank so you, what do you so much. So what do you got for me? I have a question and I have a prayer request, which do you like first? You go ahead and ask your question and then we'll go to the prayer request. Great. My uh, question is, I heard a caller prior speaking about uh, when we die, if we go to heaven or not, but you you said to him that when we get buried, that our bodies will be resurrected. Now, I was thinking, what about people that get cremated? Mm-hmm. Will we have the same anticipation? Yeah, you'll be you'll be resurrected. I mean, think about it. Uh, Emma, what about those who were burnt at the stake? You know, many Christians in the first century were burnt at the stake. Uh, what about a Christian, you know, um, that um, went through a process like that? So cremation just speeds up the process of what putting somebody in the ground in a coffin or uh, was buried. Um, we know that um, the body will decay, it decays. From dust to dust is what the Bible says. And and so God will call up all those molecules. Um, every single dust that we become, he'll recall it and he'll bring it up and, and we'll be resurrected. Yes, now I was thinking about that because in the beginning, in Genesis, I believe it's the first or probably the second of Genesis, it says uh, God made Adam from dust and he did the same for Eve when he took a rib from Adam and put it into Eve and he uh, blow air into their lungs so that they can be alive. So I was thinking of that and I just wanted to be clarified on it. But thank yeah. you so much, Pastor Jeff, for you, you know, clarifying that the, for me. The resurrection is an incredible thing that I don't fully understand. Um, because, you know, you think about those who died, you know, a thousand years ago. What about those who the ship sank in the ocean? You know, it speaks about how those who came out from under the sea, you know, he's going to resurrect all that. 
but somebody gets put into the ground, their body decays, it gets put into, you know, um, the molecules begin to, you know, be dispersed throughout, um, you know, the grass and, and the organic matters and all mm-hmm. that. But the Lord knows where all of it is. And uh, he knows where every atom is. He holds it all together, as Colossians says. And it's really incredible thing. So, um, but we can be assured that it'll be, res- you know, our bodies resurrected and have new heavenly bodies. Oh, what a beautiful anticipation yeah, that is. Thank is. you so much for clarifying that. And now my prayer request. Okay. Um, we've always been, well, I say we as my family, we have always been in Christ and um, listening to preach and go to church. And um, part of my family and also myself, we got lost. And um, being that I am an ill person, um, I become closer to God and Jesus because he's shown me so many miracles. He's yeah. touched me in ways that I never thought I I I, I just experienced a miracle. Yeah. But I see that my sister went back to church this Sunday, and Good. she's trying to get her children now to join her uh, in fellowship. I'm just praying that we get closer to Jesus and that her children uh, get that burning fire inside, uh, yeah. that spark to become a flame. Yeah, and, and you... to become a, a big roaring bonfire so that all can see the light from us and um i just praying for my family especially my sister sandy that she becomes strong and my brother absolutely good prayer you know and it's a it's a great testimony to those who are listening because there may be somebody who's listening right now and they're saying well you know i want to go back to church but i don't know if i can go back to church listen anybody that's out there you know, as you listen to, to Emma, her family's going back to church, and the Lord wants you to go back to church. He, he, the invitation is always to come. Have you ever noticed that, Emma? It's not get away. It's not go away. You know, even with the prodigal son, you know, the father ran out to receive him. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the Lord is desiring for us to get back into fellowship, no matter how long you've been away from church, or maybe away from the Lord, to come home. And that's the message. And that's where we're going to pray for Emma and her family. They continue to be in fellowship because we, we, you know, this commandment of the Lord not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, but we need to be with the body of believers. We need to be with others. And uh, the Lord desires for us and to draw close to him. So, Father, I pray for Emma's family. I thank you um, that sisters gone back to church— I hope that her children continue to the family or brother, that they would just be in fellowship and they would bring that fellowship to Emma. And Lord, I pray that they would, as they've seen your faithfulness as expressed in Emma's testimony, that you would, Lord, just continue to work on their behalf and grow them in the knowledge and and, uh, the uh, will of God uh, as they study the word, that they would grow in your grace and, Lord, that they would know that you care for them so much. And, Lord, just bless them in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Lord, amen. I love in Jesus' name, amen. And uh, this is the second time I called Pastor Jeff. You helped me before when I said I was blind. And mm-hmm. um, you helped me find uh, uh, communications with uh, other people that can help with people Good. being blind. Good. Um, trying to get the Bible and and. Good. to get the words in other ways 
other than just reading the Bible. We can listen yeah. to it and we can yeah. uh, touch it. And yes, but thank you again, Pastor Jeff. You have a thank blessed you. and wonderful, terrific okay. Tuesday evening, and God bless everyone out there. You too. too. You bet. Thank Stay in you. touch. Uh-huh. Uh, we sure will. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. We're getting towards the end of the show. South Carolina is the place. Sarah, are you there? South Carolina? Sarah? Yep, I'm here. Thanks for holding. Oh, no problem. Um, so I had two questions. I'll start with one. We don't have time. Um, we we love evangelizing. Our family's gotten plugged in with Calvary Good. here. And um, my question is, is it biblical for a woman, for me, to open-air preach? Or open air evangelized. Do you do you see an example of that in the scripture? Um, the woman at the well is what I keep coming back to, but then I also get met with Aquila and Priscilla. Okay. Remember, she she was one that she witnessed. They witnessed to Apollos, so I think she was used of the Lord in that. And there's nothing in the scripture that forbids that uh, that you can't give the gospel. Of course, you can give the gospel. And as you go out and evangelize, um, when it talks about, you know, roles of men and women, it's talking about in the corporate church and the role of a, a pastor. But it does not say that women can't evangelize. It does not say that women cannot even teach in the church. That is that they teach children. They teach the younger women. Um, they, you know, we have women teaching at conferences. So we've, we, it's a discussion that comes up oftentimes on the show but yeah, you can you can witness. Uh, go out and witness. I encourage you to do that uh, because um, I think it's just a wonderful ministry to your willingness to do it. And uh, it doesn't say that women don't get the gift of evangelism. <laughs> and right. so you know, I see I see you know Aquila and Priscilla, that couple, and she witnessed to Apollos, and she was there, and um, I think she had a big big influence on Apollo's coming to Christ. Cool. That's, I mean, that's refreshing. That leads me to, so then if I've been asked to teach at a evangelism seminar in our church, is that biblical now that we're in a church setting? Yeah. And, you know, we've had, um, you know, and talk to your pastor about it, any concerns that you might have. But again, we're talking about the roles of the pastor teacher. And we've had women help teach conference, like my wife will help teach, you know, like a, a marriage conference or women teaching other women and stuff. As long as, you know, you're, it sounds like you're under the authority of the pastor. You're not taking the role of of the pastor, the, the elder, the shepherd of the church that's teaching behind the pulpit, but you're teaching a class and you have something to give. You have something to be able to bless others. So uh, to me, I don't have a problem with it. Um I think that women are wonderful teachers. (laughs) We have some ladies here that very anointed as they teach the kids. They've taught youth before. Um, They've taught, you know, as I said, but when it comes to the overseer, we know that it's the husband of one wife in that role given. And people, they'll take things, you know, like Paul says, that women are to be silent in the church and, and, and all this. And I think it's a misfortunate uh, translation. Uh, we don't give in to culture what culture says, you know, because there's this big debate about women being pastors. I believe what the scripture says, but I do believe that women have a role 
and they have a ministry in the church. And it's it's not to be in that role and position of a overseer, but they can teach in other settings under direction of the pastor and under the authority of the pastor. It's kind of like I was uh, listening to one a lady who goes to conferences and teaches um, at prophecy updates and thousands of people come. She always does a disclaimer <laughs> and she says, so-and-so is my pastor. And um, it's kind of interesting. You got Am Graham Lott that teaches at conferences, things like that. And, um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. Um, real quick, can I ask you about Matthew seven fifteen to 20, where it says you'll know them by their fruits? Mm-hmm. Um, how do, is that talking about fruits as in love, joy, peace, or is that talking about good works? And if so, there's other religions out there that like display really yeah. good works and really good yeah. fruits. So how would you know? Yeah. And they, you shall know them by their fruits. And that's interesting because you got all kinds of, of even groups that are very, um, much against Christianity and against Jesus that are doing good works. But I think that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. That's singular love. in the book of Galatians. And it's not just, oh, we just all love each other and all of this. It's agape love, God's love. And I think that's yeah. the fruit that you're going to see first and foremost. As Jesus said, that my disciples will have a love for one another. And that's where the agape love, you should look at First Corinthians 13, and the love that only comes from God, that's the fruit that's being spoken of. But good question. Cool. Thank you so much. I've been wanting to call in for a while, so thank you. Call back when you got a chance. We're here to help you and bless you. Thank you, everybody, right. for today's show. God bless you. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.